everybody. Welcome back to A House Divided. We hope you enjoyed our week one episode. Uh, we have some fun recaps of what happened during week one and some predictions moving into week two that we want to go over with you. But before we do, we do have some fun and exciting updates that I wanted to share, or we wanted to share rather. Uh, the first being that the podcast is now on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And all three platforms are at a house divided 37. So I will include that in uh, the details of today's episode. So you can take take a look and follow us across social media. Another fun update is now you are able to stream the podcast across Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. So we wanted to give some of our listeners more variety so that they weren't just stuck on one platform. So Super excited to share more, more details about the podcast with you on social media and be able to connect with you guys and hear your feedback. So give us a follow, reach out to us if you have any questions or want to share your thoughts on how we're doing so far. Um, and we look forward to uh, interacting with you guys. All right, let's get into it. <music> Week one, give me your thoughts, your just general overview, week one, football. It was a good welcome back. Uh, we had a bunch of good games. We had a lot of close games, uh, a lot of nail-biting moments, and some some pretty good football. Yeah, we definitely had some good football. I, I also feel like it was not at all what I expected for week one. There was so much ups and downs and upsets and just some craziness happening definitely a week uh, an interesting week one yeah i guess week one is always going to be the hardest you know no, nobody's played any games yet you've been practicing all summer getting ready and you know you don't really know what another team's going to do and until you get on the field so yeah well and there were so many changes like we talked about last week in postseason now it was you know first time on the field with these new teams, with new players, you have new rookies. So, yeah, lot. some people stepped on the field for the first time. Some people fumbled the ball their first time with it. Sorry to my Buffalo Bills fans and the Bills Mafia. It was a little bit of an upsetting moment for us, but you know, it. it, it he got it out he, of the way. He, Von Miller was giving him a little pep talk. Yep. He got out of the way. So, you know, next time he, he doesn't have to worry about it. He can just do his thing. He's fumbled the ball. He can only go up from here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll get into, you know, some of the big week one highlights. Um, I'd say that the most surprising thing about week one for me was how many missed kicks there were. It, it seemed like it was every other game where they were missing a kick to either to go ahead or inch closer or even at the end of the game trying to trying to secure a victory and, and yeah. just couldn't make a kick. And, you know, these kickers all, you know, all they do in practice is make kicks. And you go out there to, to make a kick like you do probably 40 times a day and pulling them, kicking them wide right, wide left, hitting the crossbar. Yeah. Well, so, and I did, so I did a little bit of research today okay. and I found that, among this week one, there were 10 fourth quarter missed field goals. That's surprising. 10. That's a lot. That is so that's many. that's just the fourth quarter. Right. It's just the fourth quarter. That doesn't account for the other three-fourths of the game <laughs> across all of the games played. Um, and I was like, I, I mean, I know we watched good majority of what was on this weekend and watched quite a few really bad kicks. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in the end of the Steelers game, the the Bengals go in and score with almost no time left, and all they got to do is kick the extra point to win the game. and Yeah. And you, you get a block, you know, so I guess you can't blame that one on the on the kicker, but maybe just a great play on, by the special teams and by the defense. But Yep. I mean, and that game alone was just crazy. I, I feel bad uh, – for those who are out of network and were watching the the Colts Texans game, they mm. went into they both went into overtime at the exact same time. And from what I hear, from what I've heard from everyone, 
they only showed the Bengals Steelers game. So to all my Colts and Texans fans out there, I'm sorry that you didn't get to see your overtime. But it ended in a tie anyway. So exactly. I guess it wasn't this exciting. You didn't miss much. <laughs> so uh, that's that's unfortunate for the Colts Texans fans. It's not a loss. I think technically I'd... they're first in the division with a tie. I mean, I think as sad I, as that is, I think I'd rather the the loss. Well, we come to the end of the year. It doesn't count against the win percentage, and that tie might actually work out in somebody's favor uh, going into making the playoffs or winning the division. So, as we know, in the postseason uh, last year, they changed the overtime rules after the tragic Kansas City Chiefs-Bills game. Um, So, you know, it's only effective in the postseason, in playoff games. Um, so both teams get that possession of the ball, regardless of the coin toss, but obviously that doesn't apply to regular season. So, you know, what, it, what are your opinions on the current overtime rules as they stand? So I think it's, it's a long season, 17 games and it's physical. You're playing for an hour as it is. If you play too long, you know, it's just a little bit unfair, I guess, in some sense for that team to be playing that much longer than another team Um, heaven forbid they're playing on like a Monday night and play again on Thursday and they have an overtime on a Monday night you know they're already on a short week it's just going to be kind of extra tiresome Um, I don't necessarily love that the game could end so fast or or that it could end in a tie but I think their hands are kind of tied with what they can do as far as trying to keep players healthy and and still having it be competitive all around. Well, I know you and I had this debate over the weekend when we were watching these games and comparing them to, you know, college football where they could have 10 overtimes. <laughs> yeah. They're just they're going to play till there's a winner. Right. Um, but, you know, we made a good point that that also kind of weeds out who has the endurance and who's mm. going to stay healthy because you know, if you can do that in college, your quote unquote reward by making it to the NFL is one overtime. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. You know, you're, you're playing at a much higher level with with overall players who everybody's playing at a much higher level. Yeah. I understand how in a playoff game where it's winner take all, you want it to be a little bit more fair. But I guess in the regular season, yeah, competitive for sure. Like, you know, it's it wasn't fair, really, that, that Josh had to sit on the sidelines and watch Patrick Mahomes have one chance to take the ball down the field and send him home. Right. Because I know everybody would have loved to see Josh get back on the field and, and see him put up another touchdown and see if they could go touchdown for touchdown and see who would be the first one to blink and not just have it be one and done. Right. Well, I know there's definitely a lot of controversy around the overtime rules and what that means, but I guess, like you said, ultimately the goal is, you know, to have it be an entertaining game, but keep players healthy. Speaking of healthy players. Yeah, we saw enough injuries this week. We saw enough injuries this week. I mean, you know, there were people who were out with concussions. You had kickers with hurt ankles. You, And now we're learning throughout the beginning of this week as we start to go into week two what that's meaning you know we have Dak Prescott week one didn't look too great and come to find out he had a fractured thumb and yeah on his throwing hand on his throwing hand he'll be out six to eight weeks I heard that the team is not putting him on the injury reserve though they're hoping for Oh, I did hear about that. Jerry Jones says he'll he's expecting him back sooner, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, but I don't I don't see Dallas having a good season without him. No, I mean you saw what happened when when he had that that bad ankle injury and their season kind of fell off a cliff. Who knows what their future holds? They didn't really look too good with him, but if he had the fractured thumb, maybe that was why. Right. Well, and another big injury is uh, T.J. Watt. Um, with that pec tear or maybe tear, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, if he has to have surgery, they're saying he's done for the season. I mean, that's major. That's such a big muscle and you're using that so often. And I guess at a certain point, you really, you can't rush him back. If he just 
tears it and tears it, you know, it's it could be detrimental to his career. Right. He needs to get it fixed now and hope that it's a good recovery so that when he does come back, he, he's as strong as ever. Yeah. I mean, hopefully for him, it's not a full tear. And maybe it'll just be a handful of weeks, maybe two months, and he can come back and, and join his team. But that's another uh, big loss. Right. And, I mean, those are just two two injuries that we saw. Uh, there, were, there were countless others, um, some who are going to be out for a couple of weeks, some who were able to come back in the game, but definitely some, some things to keep an eye on after week one. I guess looking at week one overall, what was the what was the biggest shock to you? Like, was it a game score? Was it a play call? Was it what, what, what stood out to you on this week one? So I would say something that really stood out to me is um, the the Chicago-San Francisco game. Uh, I don't know if anybody knew how much rain they were going to have and how wet that field was going to be. Uh, I can't say for certain that the rain had any effect on the game because, you know, it obviously hindered both teams. Um, but they were slipping and sliding. and I mean, they were playing and basically a swamp <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and you look at soldier field it's so old that these these new fields they have drainage systems they have the ability to mop the water off of the field and yeah. that field is well and who knew you could get a penalty for <laughs> trying to dry excess the towel usage <laughs> i think was the official penalty yeah. that they that they were given yeah, excess towel usage. I don't know if they took too much time. We weren't watching the game, but I don't know if they took too much time or if you're just not allowed to do it at all. It, because I've, I've seen in uh, like snow games where they're allowed to come over and, and do a little bit of a shovel job on, right. on where they're going to kick the ball. So I guess if they can clear snow, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to clear rain. So maybe they did something a little too much there. Yeah, I would love to see the rule book for the NFL because I swear it it would be the thickest book in existence. It's got to be like all of the Encyclopedia Britannicas all put together. Right, exactly. Um, I'd say for me, one thing that that really stood out and I was not expecting out of week one um, was that Packers-Vikings game. Oh, good point. Seeing Aaron Rodgers put up a single touchdown that entire game and then get destroyed by the Vikings. Yeah. Um, there were some highlights from that game, and I just I don't know what that Green Bay team was doing. Both their offense and their defense did not look good. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to step it up moving forward if, if they want to have any chance to win that division or even make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and last night we watched the, the Broncos – Seahawks game, Russell Wilson, basically his game. Yep. Uh, and there's there's been some controversy now that that game is over. So I'm interested to hear what what's your opinion on that that end of game call taking the ball out of Russell's hands. I mean, you're paying that guy so much money, over two hundred million dollars. He's supposed to be reshaping the team, reshaping the franchise, leading leading you to the playoffs and hopefully more. It's hard. Fourth and five is is no gimme, but I mean you're talking about a 64 yard field goal when a when, career high when field the, goal. Yeah, the career long for for I think it's Brandon McManus was a 61. So I mean three yards and in in that stadium, I mean they're they're known for having one of the loudest, craziest fan groups that there is. So when you could tell watching him on the sidelines that. He wasn't going to put up a stink about it, but it definitely didn't look like Russell Wilson necessarily agreed with that play call. No, he's he's very much the the team guy, so he's gonna he's gonna go with the coach's decision. But I feel like you you know in his heart of hearts, he wanted to have that ball. Give me one shot at it. If we lose, we lose. But you know, if you miss the field goal, you lose anyway. So right, I don't know because. You know, after the the missed field goal, which, not going to lie, I didn't see him making it. I was I wanted him to make it. I thought it would be, you know, a great Hail Mary for him to make it. But then as the Seahawks are kneeling the ball, you have the Broncos coach calling timeouts. Yeah, so and I didn't understand that. There was, there was almost no time left. 
He only had two timeouts anyway, so it's not like he could call three timeouts and get get them to punt the ball back. It just seemed almost right. I didn't. What was what was he just trying to prove a point? Was he trying to like at that point in time they're not going to fumble the ball? It's a kneel, right? Yeah. So I guess that's what that's what you're hoping for. You're going to make them play it out, but at a certain point, that's almost like a little bit of cheeky gamesmanship. That's kind of a unwritten rule once they're in kneeling position you just kind of let them do it yeah like it's not like a false start was going to change the course of the game i mean there was what like 18 seconds right 18 seconds he had two timeouts they're gonna kneel like honestly they kneel the ball once and the game's over right exactly you you, you tuck your tail between your legs i think clearly um that might have been a little bit of an indication that maybe he thought he did the wrong thing and he was trying to just recover, pre- prevent the inevitable of that loss, but it was just too little, too late. I think he knew as soon as he put that kicker out there that he should he should just let Rust get one more chance to throw the ball. Yeah, I mean he's done crazier things before. Well, the guy's I've a Super seen, Bowl winning quarterback, so and I've seen crazier things happen before. There's just you know there's so much, so many variables in that moment that could have happened. You know. Yeah. So, crazy end. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that that game call for uh, the Broncos head coach, but, you know, I think he'll learn from it, and we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. Any other crazy updates from week one that you want to go over, football-related or stadium-related, perhaps? Well, there's a little bit of an unfortunate event that happened in South Florida over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> just after kickoff, around 1 o'clock, there was some black smoke seen uh, right behind Hard Rock Stadium. I guess somebody had either forgot to turn their grill off or it was still hot enough in the South Florida sun. Doesn't really help at all. And uh, melted down about seven or eight cars. Seven or eight cars, yeah. Police department had to be called. Fire Fire department was called. You could see the smoke from inside the stadium. Yeah, they didn't really talk about that on the broadcast. Well, now the debate is, was it a Patriots fan or a Miami fan that started that fire? Well, there was a lot more Dolphins fans there than there were Patriots fans. I've heard that that it was probably, you know, uh, three-quarters Dolphins fans. So... Odds are that it was a Dolphins fan, and you know somebody, somebody probably had a little too much to drink, and luckily nobody got hurt, and none of those cars actually exploded because I'm pretty sure that would have just set off like a chain reaction. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Because yeah. one car explodes, you know that much gasoline everywhere, it's just gonna, you, you the whole parking lot would have been exploded. Yeah, right. Yeah, they might have had to evacuate the game, you know. Maybe the right. stadium would have been on a, a chance to catch on fire or well, something Well, and after crazy all the like work that. they just put into those parking lots because of the Formula One track, that that's the last thing they needed right now. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, uh, Stephen Ross isn't too happy <laughs> watching his uh, parking lots burn down. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, week one was definitely interesting. There were a lot of things that happened. Um a lot of highlights and a lot of interesting plays. So let's get into the the little bit more nitty gritty of it. Um, we're gonna take some time today. We each picked our five top plays slash moments from the week, and just because they're our top moments doesn't necessarily mean they were good things that happened. True. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. Give me. I mean, in no particular order. Give me your first of your first moment. I'll start it off with uh, Thursday night. One of my biggest moments of the week was um, near the end of the game when Josh Allen scrambled off to the right and threw a deep bomb to uh, Stephon Diggs right over the top of Jalen Ramsey, who kind of looked lost and out of place. Uh, Stephon Diggs even tripped and fell on the play and still caught the ball and went in for a touchdown. So I think that was just a, a big moment to kind of show off uh, Josh's arm strength. I mean, that was a, a 50, 55-yard ball, and it kind of looked like he just tossed it up there. It looked like he was he took some off of that. You know? Well, and he said in an interview before that game, they asked him, they were like, how many times, because we've seen what his arm can do, how many times in a game is he throwing at 100%, giving it his all, mm-hmm. he can't give anything more? 
And he said it's really only happening one or two times a game. And it's not in moments like those. He said it's usually like shorter passes, you know, you're 15, 20 yards, but he's got pressure. He's throwing across his body. Um, and Trying to thread a needle. Exactly. He's when he's got to be more meticulous about that, what he's doing, but um, still, uh, obviously I will rave till I'm blue in the face for Josh Allen, but yeah, that was a phenomenal play. I uh, did some screaming of my own watching that yeah, play right. go down, but that was such a great game. And well, you know, one of my top five moments from this week was also during that game uh, with Josh Allen's stiff arm. <laughs> And Give him the old Derrick Henry special. Right. And I just, oh my gosh. I'm now watching all of the memes and recaps of that moment. Like watching it live was one thing. And you're just like, what is he doing? But then you see that man come up off of that play laughing. You see Von Miller laughing. You see everyone on the bench on both sides being like, did he just do that? Yep. Josh is good for uh, probably a couple memes a season, whether he's stiff arming somebody in the ground or, or hurling somebody. Yep. Yeah, but that was that was such a crazy moment. Um, little wor- worrisome as a Bills fan, you know. I love how much he's all in. I love that he loves the sport so much. You mm-hmm. know, you don't know if he is going to be uh, on your defense. You don't know if he's going to be a running back. You don't know what he's going to do, but. As such a strong quarterback, you got to be like, all right, man, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here. Let's be a little careful. Like, what happens if you had, like, broken your arm in that play? I mean, yeah. It, One wrong fall. Yeah, and... you fall weird or a guy lands on – somebody lands on you or you twist an ankle. You know, anything can happen. Right. But, uh, you know, he is one of the biggest guys out there. So, I mean, if if, if he's going to be a, a, a match of strength um, – We've seen him run over more people than than run over him. This is true. All right, number two. Uh, So I'm going to go to the Buccaneers game, and I want to shout out the Mike Evans one-handed grab in the the corner of the end zone. Mike Evans is, is as solid as it gets. He's always making these tough catches. He's always... Not necessarily bailing his quarterback out, but making the quarterback and himself look good. He's been doing this for years, but that one-handed catch um, over Trayvon Diggs. Uh, Trayvon Diggs was kind of, you know, just standing around because that ball was quite a ways away. Right. But, you know, Mike Evans, big, tall, you know, got up there and pulled it down. Yeah, that was a great play. I love watching it, you know, and looking back to last season, there were so many one-handed catches that the NFL did like a whole reel of one hand, like the highlights of the season. And I'm not going to be all that surprised if we see a lot more of that this season. True. Kind of going back to, you know, quarterbacks doing things that they might not necessarily think they should do. Opposite of the Allen stiff arm, you have Aaron Rodgers and his attempt to tackle Zadarius Smith. I don't know if you've seen the clips of this moment. I have moment. not seen the clip. Oh, you got to watch them because, one, Aaron Rodgers, he just looked old. <laughs> like that man, he did not, you are not Josh Allen. <laughs> and I think you see so many quarterbacks right now that are trying to be Josh Allen. You know, I don't know how many times I've seen a quarterback try and run the ball, and I'm like, no, you just, you're too slow. Um, but, yeah, this Aaron Rodgers moment was priceless because he tried with all of his six-foot-one might. And uh, let's just say he ended up on the ground, and Zadarius Smith did not. <laughs> a forever, I Right. Guess. Yep, that's exactly what Smith said in a post-game interview. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be a little bit of a hometown guy. Shocker. And uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Brandon Jones of the Miami Dolphins coming off the edge, hitting Mac Jones from behind, uh, getting knocking the ball loose, and Melvin Ingram picking it up right along the goal line and kind of one, two steps right into the end zone for a defensive touchdown. First touchdown of the year for the Dolphins came on, on defense. 
Uh, I guess any Dolphins fans wouldn't really be surprised if that's been the strength of the team for the last couple of years. But uh, made me choke a little bit. I was in the middle of eating <laughs> while that happened, and you know didn't didn't expect that. So oh, it's so funny. Um, another, you know, I don't know if you would call it funny, but I definitely laughed during this play. Um, mostly because I kind of called it before it happened is, um, the, the Bengals Steelers game. Now this game had a lot of ups and downs, you know, just bad play calls, bad missed field goals and, Something that I wasn't 100% sure before it happened that you were actually allowed to do, um, blocked extra points. You know, the the Bengals had the chance to win the, win the game and not go into overtime. And moments before they kicked that ball, I looked at you and I was like, can you block an extra point? And you were like, yep. And I was like, I bet you they do. And surely enough, the Steelers got their hands on that ball and tipped it. And they didn't get that extra point. And I think most of us know how that game turned out. You don't see a, a blocked extra point very often. Um, they can, you know, uh, most of the time if you're blocking a kick, it's a longer kick. They got to kick it a little bit lower and drive the ball. You know, typically on an extra point, you want to get the ball up quick. You, right. got, you know, it's so short, you can kind of get it up and out of harm's way, but One. you come screaming off the edge that fast. Right. And, you know, sometimes if they do have the chance to block that kick, you know, it's going to be you have, you know, have a new holder or your your long snapper was a little bit slow or what have you. But, yeah, no, the Steelers really just they just they ha- they wanted to win and they did. Yep. <laughs> I, they... I, I will say um, that the, the long snapper for the Bengals was their reserve long snapper. Yes. So I guess maybe the ball came out a little slow on the snap, but the the ball was in a good spot. The holder put it down, maybe a hair a hair slow, but you know nine times out of ten, I think that just goes through. And right, they win the game. Well, and that what there were what two more missed field goal kicks after this missed point? Or yep, yep, they both they, they both, both missed one. They both missed one when they went into overtime, and that game really kept you on your toes till the final <laughs> second. So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the same game, but I'm gonna go a little bit earlier than that. Um, I want to not necessarily shout out to Joe Burrow, but want to talk about his first pass of the season as the uh, just coming out of a Super Bowl. Yep, yeah, first pass after a Super Bowl loss is a pick six. That was taken back for a touchdown by Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, it wasn't a very good throw. Uh, the guy was pretty well covered, but Minka Fitzpatrick came came out of nowhere, and it wasn't wasn't even really a a hard pick six. He kind of just waltzed in. But heck of a way to start the year on your first pass attempt. You're trying to build some momentum after losing the Super Bowl, and you know he ended up he going on to throw. A total of four four interceptions in the game. So maybe that got in his head a little bit, and maybe he was a little bit gun shy after that. Yeah, and I mean, I I know we keep coming back to this, but that game just it has so much to evaluate, and I can't imagine you know this week as they're prepping for week two, the amount of film that those players are watching because of everything that went down in that game. Speaking of things going down in games, um. Uh, going back to the, the Bears game uh, against the 49ers, um, towards the end of the third quarter, Justin Fields, um, you know, this play is it's something that you can see in a lot of games, but I know a lot of people had a lot of questions about Justin Fields going into this season and what he was going to be capable of. Capable of and I know that the, the Bears in and of themselves, we both predicted them to lose last week. Yep. Um, and taking a look, at this third quarter pass, you know, he had some pressure on him. He had to kind of scramble to get, to get out of there. And once he, he threw the ball, you know, this, this play was great because it was, you could, it was just such a team effort. Um, you had some really great blocks uh, by, by the bears so that they could get it in for a touchdown. And I um, unfortunately don't remember off the top of my head who it was that ran it in for the touchdown on that play, but 
uh, just some some really great action to see from Justin Fields as he goes into this season. And who knows, maybe that maybe there is some hope for the Bears after all. Yeah, I mean, I guess we neither of us really thought that the Bears were going to be a team to be challenged in, in this game anyway. Um, but that's why we play the games. And, you know, you, you don't know who wins and, until the, the game's actually played and the game's over. So I guess hats off to the Bears and, and Justin Fields. He had a pretty good performance. And, you know, maybe he can build on that and the Bears can build on getting a win early against a team that maybe they shouldn't have beat. Exactly. All right. What's your last favorite moment, top moment from week one? So I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite moment, even though it might be. I want to give a shout out to Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Got to pick the home team, don't you? Got to have two on there, two out of five. So fourth and seven from the New England 42-yard line with around 20, maybe 25 seconds left to play in the second quarter going into halftime. They're up 10-0. Mike McDaniel calls a pass instead of punting the ball, pinning them deep. Uh, On that play, Tua hit Waddle across the middle. He split three guys, showing off his speed. Ended up running it in for a touchdown and put them up 17-0 going into halftime. Uh, They easily could have just kind of played it soft, punted it down to the end, and said, you know what, the Patriots were out of timeouts. Go the whole field in 20 something seconds and see what you can do but you know he he kept his foot on the gas pedal and trusted his guys to to make one play when they needed one and i guess that goes back to uh the broncos game and and trusting your guys to make a play when you need a play obviously they did not trust russell wilson because they put in their kicker so mike mcdaniels i will give him credit for being the head coach of this team because he made some great calls during that game. Obviously, that play call that you just walked us through was a great call. Um, in case everyone isn't aware, do you want to tell them what happens after a Waddle touchdown? So after a Jalen Waddle touchdown, he is known as the Penguin for a reason. Um, he waddles around and uh, looks just like a Penguin. And I can assure you that myself, as long, along with the other Dolphins fans in the stadium, were waddling along right with him. Yes. And so, you know, one, hilarious to watch uh, him waddling around our living room. <laughs> um, but two, I just, I got to give Mike McDaniels credit because not only did he have some awesome play calls like that, but he is also really helping this team to go undefeated against the Patriots. Yep, four in a row. Four in a row. And that is not heard of under the Bill Belichick regime. Um, and he he really just putting his best foot out there and keeping the focus on the team and not himself. And as somebody who has been a team player, um, played on sports my whole life, um, it's just something you really like to see from your head coach. Absolutely. All right. My final moment for this week one is more of a saga, more of a story, more of a what the heck is happening. (laughs) I don't know if you're all familiar with the Cowboys Stadium. Obviously, being in Texas, they have to keep their stadium enclosed. There's too many things that could go happen and go wrong with the elements. Um, So, first punt. Camerata hits the scoreboard and they have a rule that if you hit the scoreboard, you have to replay. Well, second punt, then there's a penalty for running into the kicker. And because it was a five yard penalty, it didn't get them to the, to the first down. Now they have to punt again. So then he finally has his uh, third punt um, and they do get that touchback finally, but that just watching this, I remember like half paying attention and all of a sudden I'm like, how many times has this guy punted this ball? 
and just didn't make it's like groundhog day right i'm like we have relived this how many times now and it was so entertaining to watch and also just a a great moment for me to just be educated and you know you spending some time explaining to me that these stadiums some have particular rules so very interesting uh obviously this week was week one was a little crazy Lots happened that we didn't necessarily foresee happening. Absolutely. And uh, now we're moving into week two. So before we jump into our uh, week two picks, we want to uh, introduce a small segment that we're going to be doing called B&E Fantasy Corner. I'm excited for this. Yeah. So as everybody knows, what we talked about in the, in the week one podcast um, Emma has joined my redraft fantasy football league, and uh, we just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about what is fantasy football and how it's played. Yeah, um, I'm sure most most people here that are listening to this podcast are lovers of fantasy football, are involved in that. But we want to make sure that we're reaching those who maybe are just getting started or are part of a free league this year and just explain a little bit about what is fantasy football. Um, You know, I have never been a part of a league before, so the prep work for this was definitely interesting for me Um, and just learning about all of the nuances, you know. Last year, I got to watch you do both of your drafts since you are also in a dynasty league. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to see what came from that. But um, this year was my first year ever drafting my own team. There were many mock drafts that were done to try and prep me for that. Um, But I kind of wanted to lean on you here and your expertise and uh, just talk a little bit about, you know, the types of... um, fantasy teams that you can have you know like we just mentioned you're part of a dynasty league and a redraft league so explain a little bit about what those differences are right exactly so um your your typical league that your most people i guess are in um it's a little bit more not necessarily nonchalant but a little less stressful a little less year over year planning and thoughts um is your your redraft league which means that every year there's a new draft. Everybody starts with a blank slate. All players are available. And you go, you'll have a determined draft order. Um, you know, if, you, if it's a 10-person league or a 12-person league, you know, you're in order 1 through 10 or 1 through 12. And you, you take your turns making picks uh, of players that you want on your team based on you know, who's going to have more yards throughout the season, who's going to score more touchdowns, points, anything of that nature. Um, so then we're going to have uh, a little bit more of a, a an intense style of a league, which is a dynasty league. Um, there are some leagues that are just keeper leagues, but for right now I'm going to get into more just what a dynasty league is. Uh, dynasty league is you have the ability to keep as many players on your team year over year as you can or that you as you want. Um, in the league that I'm in, there's a salary component to this. So you have to manage how expensive players are year over year with increasing salaries. So it's a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a GM, general manager feel where it's a little bit more complicated. You got to balance some numbers, balance your talent, and kind of reallocate resources in a different way. Yeah. And I can definitely see there's so much strategy that goes into both league types and any fantasy team. Um, and honestly, one thing that I, I do want to call out quickly, uh, not spend a whole lot of time on it though, is I just want to give some props to both of your leagues. Like you mentioned, we are both in the redraft league. And this was my very first time entering a fantasy football league. It was way more stressful than I <laughs> ever thought possible. And uh, I will say, given all that stress, I still really enjoyed it. I still good. think I came out with a good team on I the other side. Um, 
we for this league we had what was called a snake draft um so we are in a 10 a 10 man league you're assigned a pick number and it basically just follows a snake so if you have pick number one you will pick first and then it goes all the way down to pick 10 and then the 10th pick will pick again as pick 11 and works its way back so if you have pick one you're then gonna have pick 20 and then so on and so forth so I happen to have pick nine mm-hmm. and you had pick seven. Yep. And I would say in the grand scheme of things, I didn't hate having the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't leave me a lot of time in between when I was on that curve back. Because you're on the corner, yeah. Um, but all things considered, I think we both came out with some great teams. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so why don't you very quickly just run us down who you have on your fantasy team this year. All right. So um, for starters, I'll kick it off with my quarterback is Jalen Hurts uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. My running backs are Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. My wide starting wide receivers are Jamar Chase of the Bengals, A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. My tight end is Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders. My flex is... The Penguin himself, Jalen Waddell. And my defense is the Green Bay Packers, with my kicker being Harrison Butker. My bench players are Drake London, wide receiver from Atlanta. Christian Kirk, wide receiver from Jacksonville. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's suspended for six games, wide receiver for Arizona. I have James Robinson, running back for Jacksonville. I got your other boy, Tua Tagovailoa quarterback of Miami Dolphins. I have Alexander Madison running back for Minnesota Vikings and Tyler Higby tight end for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, you have a really great team. Um, Watching you pick your team was also super entertaining. I know we all kind of made fun of you a little bit when you took both Waddle and Tua. Mm -hmm. uh, Had to go for that that home home. Well, I guess not home field. Go for your home team. Yep. Um. I took a little bit of a different route. I, being my first, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try and get the best of the best of what's available. Um, and just so everyone is aware, best of a best doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the best quarterback. Um, I learned very quickly that wide receivers and running backs are where it's at when it comes to fantasy and what you want to pick and focus on. Um, and you just kind of take your quarterback later on in the draft. My team is definitely heavy on on that side of things but I was I was really happy with who I ended up with so my quarterback is Kyler Murray uh my running backs who so I have Dalvin Cook from um, Minnesota um I have Josh Jacobs who is a running back for Las Vegas I have Stefan Diggs had to get my boy from um Buffalo wide receiver uh, and then I have T. Higgins, uh, Cincinnati wide receiver. I have Kyle Pitts, who is an Atlanta Falcons tight end. Um, and then I got Michael Thomas as my uh, flex. I have the Buccaneers defense. And then I had or have uh, Matt Gay from the uh, L.A. Rams as my kicker. Um, on, my, on my bench, I have Kareem Hunt from uh, Cleveland. He's running back. I have... Uh, Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers uh, wide receiver. Um, got Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Patriots running back. And then I have uh, Kadarius Tony, the New York Giants wide receiver. Uh, Kirk Cousins from Minnesota is my backup uh, quarterback. Um, and then Jarvis Landry from the Saints is my backup wide receiver. And then finally, Marvin Jones Jr. from the Jags as another backup wide receiver so definitely could have been better definitely could have been a lot worse Mm -hmm, so um for your first draft i would say you did pretty well um it's not it's not always the easiest being on the on the turn like that you know because it is so quick you almost have to have two picks ready every time exactly and so much time passes between your two picks half the guys that you are targeting or that you you would even think about drafting are going to be gone before it gets back to you well, and I got to say, too, I was good in the beginning, 
And then once I started picking all of my bench players, obviously, you know, I know who Kareem Hunt is. I know who Ayuk is. I know who Kirk Cousins is. But then you get start getting into um, players like Marvin Jones Jr. Um, and I'm just like blindly picking because they're not people that I'm super familiar with. They're yeah. not necessarily people you're going to be hearing about week after week. So that was definitely some education for me. But um, overall, pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, I'm sure you're pretty happy after this week one of fantasy football. Yep. So uh, after week one, my team performed uh, above expectations for even myself. Um, I ended up winning my matchup week one. uh, And I also had the highest point total in my league with, um, I believe it was 161 points, which is tremendous. You, You can't. You can't ever hope to have that many. Um, you just got to enjoy the weeks when it all comes together. I was happy. I was proud of you uh, that you were able to get that win, uh, not only for your team, but also being the highest point scored for the week. Um, my team did not do as great. I did lose my matchup, but um, I only lost by five points. It wasn't anything crazy. And I really had some... Um, unfortunate events that happened with my team um the first being that t higgins from wide receiver for the bengals um either first quarter or very beginning of the second quarter of the game went out with a concussion he's still questionable looking into week two so gotta decide what i'm gonna do there and i'd say that the other uh kind of disappointing uh piece was that i had kareem hunt on my bench he put up so many points and it was just an unfortunate scenario that I wasn't able to reap the rewards of those points, but you know, still learning, still trying to do the best that I can. And we'll, we'll see how week two goes. And fun fact about week two, (laughs) we're actually against each other. Yep. You're going down. Nope. You're losing. (laughs) I say that a loser has to do dishes all week. Oh, I'll take that bet. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But definitely more to come on the fantasy world. Wanted to uh, just educate you guys a little bit there, um, answer some questions that maybe not everybody would be aware of. Um, and we will just, you know, keep keep up with the B&E Fantasy Corner, keeping you updated on how we're doing, um, kicking Brian's ass. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I'd have to agree. Um, I would have to say, as far as my pick goes, I'm going to go Chiefs 41, Chargers 34. Yeah, I'd say I'm right there with you. Um, I definitely see the Chiefs coming out on top for this game. Um, Didn't have my points quite as high as you did, but I do have uh, the Chiefs coming out with uh, 31 points and the Chargers with about 24. All right, Sunday, kick us off. Dolphins-Ravens. So, as everybody knows, I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win this one. They beat the Ravens last year in a game that they weren't supposed to win. The Ravens, they won last week, but they didn't look very good. The Dolphins won. I guess they also didn't look as good as they could have looked. But I think the the strengths and weaknesses kind of offset each other. I'm going to go Dolphins 27, Ravens 24. Last second field goal by Jason Sanders to win it. You know, I definitely think it's going to be an interesting game. I remember watching last year's and the upset over the Dolphins winning that game. Um, And I just don't see it happening two years in a row. I'm sorry. Um, I see the Ravens coming out on top. I agree. I do think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal. I just see the Ravens coming out with that field goal instead. Justin Tucker, good kicker. Yep. I mean, he holds the record right now, so. Yeah, 66, and it was a game winner. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you got to give him some love. You got to understand that uh, Ravens, they, they don't lose against Miami very often. Nope, they do not. So definitely an interesting game and one we'll keep our eyes on. The next game I have on my list is the Jets-Browns game, and I would just say after watching them both week week one, both teams were looked – as to be expected, I guess. Browns weren't great. The Jets weren't great. But uh, I guess when paired against each other, I got I got to go Browns. 
I don't think this is going to be a super high scoring game, um, but I do see uh, the Browns coming out on top um, 17, 17 to 10. So I would have to agree. Um, yeah, neither team really looked super impressive. Uh, but I I also have the Browns winning by a score of 24 to 17. A little bit more points, but still about the same realm. Yeah. Uh, Colts, Jags. Now, neither team did too hot last week. Um, like we mentioned, Colts ended in a tie. Uh, I know they're looking for they're looking for a win this week, so I'm gonna give it to them. I'm gonna give them the win. Um, I see that if they are winning, I think that they're gonna end up putting up quite a few more points. It's gonna be a little bit of a wider spread. Um, so I have the Colts twenty eight and the Jags uh, seventeen. All right. Well, I mean that's not bad, and you know I guess the the Colts are gonna be out for a little bit of vengeance here. Um, I also have the Colts winning. Uh, a little bit tighter game. Um, I'm seeing it, you know, 27-24 Colts. The Jaguars have had the Colts number as a, in, in recent matchups, but I think the, the Colts are going to be a little bit hungrier and a little bit better offense, so I think they can get it done. Speaking of teams that get it done, the Saints-Bucks game. Now, I'll admit, when I was putting together my, my picks for Week 2, I did a little bit more research on this game than I had some of the other ones. And really that's because when looking up what other people were betting and what the odds were and things like of that nature, my immediate assumption was to say that the Bucks were going to win. What I didn't realize is that a Tom Brady led Bucks are 0-4 against the New Orleans Saints. For some reason they have his number. So with that in mind, I got to go Saints on top for this one. Um, I don't think Brady's going to let them put up too many points, and I don't think he's going to put up too many points. Um, so I'm, I see that game being 21-17. So I, I'm seeing it pretty much the way you are. Um, the, the Saints, for some reason, that defense always stands up tall when they, when they go against Tom Brady. Um, I'm seeing it Saints 17, Bucks 13. Uh, a little bit of a back and forth game, but that that defense always seems to to rive, to unravel uh, Tom Brady. So another game we're going to get into is the Giants Panthers game. Um, neither team looked super flashy last week, but they did have some spurts. Um, Saquon Barkley for the Giants looked pretty good. I'm gonna say the Giants 24, Panthers 17. I think Saquon has another big day and kind of carries him to a win. Yep, I'm, I got to agree with you there. Um, and I think the Giants are going to be riding high after winning a season opener for the first time since 2016. Um, they are on such a high right now after that. And I, I, I don't blame them. That's such a great feeling to have as a winning team right now. Um don't see that being a super high scoring game, but I do see the Giants coming out on top. I have that game uh, 21-13. The next game I think is a pretty interesting one. I think it could go really a couple different ways, but um, that's a Steelers-Patriots game. I'd say after watching week one, I don't know what that Patriots team is doing. Um, I, I honestly think that Bill Belichick just needs to kind of move on. And they need to get some fresh blood into that team. Um, the Patriots offense did not look very good against Miami. And I would say that the Steelers defense is, uh, I guess, somewhat similar in strengths to the the, the Dolphins defense. Um, so I see it Steelers 21, Patriots 13. I think it's going to be another tough day for Mac Jones. And I think the Steelers do just enough. Yep, I have to agree. Moving on to our next game, the Commanders-Lions game. Uh, I am not going to lie. I, I stared at this one for for a while, trying to figure this game out, you know. Um, I think both teams looked a lot better than expected in week one. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, Commanders coming out with a win. Lions, a very close game to the Eagles. 
So taking a look at all that, I, I have Commanders coming out on top, but I do have it being another close game, uh, 28 to 24. Well, here's where I'm going to have to differ with you just a little bit. I would say that I was a little bit more impressed with the Lions than I was the Commanders. Uh, the Lions put up a pretty good fight against a playoff team from last year. Um, I'm going to call it Lions 31, Commanders 27. I think maybe the Lions get into another shootout like they did last week and maybe uh, second time's a charm for them and they, they can pull this one off. Yeah, definitely a game we'll have to keep an, keep our eyes on. Uh, another game that I think could have a very interesting outcome is the Seahawks 49ers game. Now, I'll admit, I did not expect the Seahawks to win and I did not expect the 49ers to lose week one. So moving into this game, um, given everything that I saw, I had to put the Seahawks on top. Um, I think the 49ers are still just kind of stumbling their way through finding their rhythm with this new quarterback. The Seahawks kind of seem to have everything a little bit more succinct and together. Um, so I have the Seahawks winning by a touchdown, 21-14. So I would say I'm, I'm right there with you. The, the Seahawks actually look pretty good. Um, I know that there were some unfortunate events that happened surrounding their win, but a win's a win. You can't take it away from them. And the 49ers didn't look that good, like you said, with Trey Lance is kind of stumbling out of the gate, you know, with the reins of his new team. I think it's going to be right there, uh, Seahawks 21, 49ers 13. All right. Rams, Falcons. So I'll let you start on that one. I mean, I look I look at the Rams performance last week at, with the Bills and they definitely put up they put up a good fight. Um, you know, Matt Stafford was a little bit underperforming, but I think there was just a lot of pressure riding on that game. I just think that the Rams, they're a Super Bowl winning team, um, despite the changes that they had in the postseason. So I see the Rams coming out on top. I see it being a high scoring game for them, and I have the score thirty one ten. So I would, I would have to agree with pretty much everything you said. I think the Rams are a better team than they showed against the Bills. It's also the Bills. That's another team that everybody's picking to go far. That's a good offense, good defense. They play good complementary football. Uh, so I, I would say that the Rams should be more so back to last season's form in this game. Uh, Rams 30, Falcons 17. The Falcons might get a little bit more points than maybe you think as far as I'm concerned, but nowhere close. No, for sure. Now, this game could also be very interesting. The Texans-Broncos game. Texans ended in a tie. Broncos with Russell Wilson should have probably won last night, and they didn't. I see that this follows kind of the general assumptions of the NFL this season, um, and I see the Broncos coming out on top, and I have them winning 27-10. to 10. I would agree. I think Russell Wilson's going to be out for a little bit of blood. Um, he got the ball taken away from him, and, you know, maybe he wants to put that nail in the coffin himself and and maybe go up by a couple of scores and kind of take take the kicker out of it, if you will. Uh, I, I see the Broncos having no problems. Uh, Broncos 34, Texans 17. Definitely going to be a game to keep our eye on. Um, similarly to this Cardinals-Raiders game, I'll let you go first on your thoughts for this one. So the Cardinals didn't look very good. I mean, they played the Chiefs, so it's another quality team. Uh, and the Raiders, just an unfortunate end um, against the Chargers last week. Had the Derek Carr had the ball and just couldn't get it done right at the end of the game there against that defense. I think the Raiders kind of bounce back in this one. Patrick Mahomes put up a, a good fight against the Cardinals last week. So I'm going to go Raiders 34, Cardinals 26. I think it's going to be uh, a good game, maybe come right down to the end uh, where both teams are in it. But I think Derek Carr and Devontae Adams get on the same page and, and get a win in this one. I kind of have to disagree with you there. Um, I think the Raiders... They they struggled last week, and it was a struggle that I don't think was anticipated. No, that's for sure. These numbers might not be 100% accurate, but I know Derek Carr, he had like four interceptions, two fumbles. He just was kind of all over the place. His completion percentage wasn't all that great for compared to what he's typically putting yeah, up. 
And I think that he's just going to take a little bit longer to find his stride. I think the Cardinals, while, you know, they did get kind of crushed by the Chiefs, um, they still were managed to put up 21 points last week. So um, I think going up against the Raiders, they're going to be able to put up a few more. Uh, So I have the Cardinals coming out on top 27 to 14. Hey, anything can happen. It's the NFL. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of anything can happen, the Bengals Cowboys. Now, (laughs) if you had asked me two weeks ago what I thought this game was going to look like, I probably would give you a very different answer than I am now. Yeah. Um, I think that that Dak Prescott setting out for the next four to six weeks while he recovers is going to be pretty detrimental. Um, They they looked kind of sad week one. So I think the Bengals are going to remember that they were just in the Super Bowl. Um, They kind of forgot in week one and week two, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be good Um, (laughs) and come out on top with 17 to to three. Oh, yeah, that's a that's pretty poor showing for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Bengals are going to, you know, Joe Burrow is not going to throw that many interceptions every week. You know, if you even if you turn a couple of those into touchdowns or even field goals, you know, they're putting up more points than they did last week. I, th- I think the Cowboys might score a little bit a little bit more than that. I think maybe it's a heavy heavy dose of uh, Zeke Elliott running the ball, you know, maybe some short passes. But I'm seeing a pretty lopsided win for the Bengals. Uh, Bengals 31, Cowboys 13. Definitely going to be um, an interesting game. Going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys backup quarterback does. Um, and we'll just got to wait and see. Now, I'm going to be very curious what your opinion is here on, on this last Sunday Sunday game, the Bears-Packers. So, this I mean, this is a tough game to call. The Packers looked very poor in the first game, and the Bears looked pretty good in the first game. Pretty put together. Um, Kind of opposites of what you would have thought. Like you said, if you asked me to pick this game two weeks ago, I would have been like, yeah, Rodgers is, is going to have his way. Yep. And, uh, you know... It wouldn't be close, but Rodgers just doesn't look very good. Um, you know, he's he's struggling to find the, the connection with his wide receivers, and maybe they're not running the ball enough. I think the Packers get it done at home. I don't think Rodgers wants to drop two divisional games in a row. I think it's going to be a close game, maybe just one touchdown. I think the Packers win it 28-21, to 21, but I think the Bears are in it the whole way. I, I got to go Bears on this one. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little bit shooken up that he lost in the first place. And I think that the Bears are going to be riding high after last week. I also think the Bears kind of proved themselves a little bit to be able to perform the way they did in the conditions that they did. Hmm. Um, You know, playing a football game in a swamp isn't necessarily <laughs> what you sign up for when you join the NFL. I also just really don't see this being a super high-scoring game. It sounds like you might. Kind of similar to that Bengals-Cowboys game, I have the Bears coming out on top. Um, I think the ball is going to be passed around a lot, and I have it 14-3. to Mmm, Rodgers doesn't even get a touchdown. I just, I think. I mean, he barely got one last week, so. Well, and what's the, he just lost uh, Devontae Adams. Yep, he, uh, yeah, he's in Vegas now. And he's in Vegas now, and I think that that's hurting him a little bit more than than we were led on to. Yeah, he doesn't have his go-to guy. Exactly. Moving into Monday night, let's start with the Vikings-Eagles. Both of these teams did some interesting things last week. Uh, I think both of these teams definitely looked better than they were thought to, mm-hmm. especially the Vikings. I would agree. Um, I have this game. I know that the, Eagle, the Eagles are projected to win this game, but uh, I got to go Vikings. I think this is going to be another upset of a game, um, and I see it being very high scoring. I see Vikings 31, Eagles 21. I think it's going to be two good offenses. It's going to be whatever defense can slow them down a little bit. Um, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings. He's just the guy. He's you know, arguably the number one wide receiver in the league. He just gets so open, just makes plays for that team. Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, A.J. Brown, they had a little bit of a connection going last week. Uh, A.J. Brown's a new addition to the Eagles over the offseason. I would have to agree, though. I think the, the Vikings are going to are gonna go into 
Philadelphia and and sneak out a win. Uh, the way I see it is Vikings 31, Eagles 28. Well, that brings us to the final game of week two, the Bills-Titans. I think that, you know, there's some drama around the Bills and the Titans. There's some history there. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a bad breakup where yeah, right. you just kind of want to move on and be done with it. <laughs> um, but this this year, the Bills have such a fire under them, um, especially being at home. Uh, I see the Bills coming out on top, uh, and I have this game 27 to 14. I mean, I, I would agree. The, the Bills are, are the better team. I mean, maybe two weeks ago, uh, I would say that closer game. It'd be a closer game. Yeah. Um, but seeing how the Titans really came out flat in week one, I think the Bills are going to put up a bunch of points. I don't think they're really going to slow them down much. Um, I'm calling it Bills 35, Titans 21. I think maybe the Bills have a lot of quick scoring drives that maybe just the Titans have a, a lot more possessions. And, you know, maybe at the end of the game, maybe it's 25 to 14 near the end and the Titans put up a, a garbage time score to make it look a little bit better than it really was. Well, I think week two is going to be just as interesting, if not more interesting than week one. Uh, it's going to be great to see who is eligible to play after all of the injuries last week. Um, going to be interesting to see, you know, what conditions we have these teams playing in. And I'm just, you know, it, I might sound like a broken record, but I'm just really happy that football's back. Yeah, we we waited so long. In the middle of the summer, you're just like, come on, fall, come on, fall. You yep. know, obviously you don't want the summer to be over with the nice weather, but you know, you're you're just looking forward to September as as soon as the Super Bowl is over. You're not watching anybody do anything until August and September, and then it's like, oh, football's here. Exactly, exactly. And you know, we get excited to get you get the good food out, you get some victory shots, you just get to spend that time with your family and enjoying enjoying football. Yeah, we'll be excited to see what happens. I'm excited to watch these games and these matchups. I think it's going to be super interesting. Um, before we go, I do just want to give a shout out again. We are now on social media, so you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, it's going to be at a house divided 37. Um, and you can also stream this podcast on multiple platforms now. We're available on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. So giving our listeners a lot of great options there. Uh, we're super excited to see what happens in week two. And we'll let you know what we think after. Go Dolphins! Go Bills!